BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where we talk about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and the decentralized revolution. Today, I am bringing you a very special guest, maybe one of the, definitely one of the bigger names. I don't know about the biggest name, but one of the bigger names in the Bitcoin space. Uh, He's a good friend, someone I hang out with quite a bit. I'm proud to call him a friend. Um, And he is one of the best thinkers in the space. During the Bitcoin conference, he had a special event where he sat down with one of the biggest thinkers in the world today. I'm talking about Jordan Peterson, and I'm also talking about Robert Breedlove. So I'm sitting down with Robert Breedlove. He got to sit down with Jordan Peterson, and man, the conversation was unbelievable. And I'm having him on the show to talk to you today about what money is and so much more. Let's go ahead and jump in um, with Robert right now. Hi, Robert. Uh, Thanks for joining me again today. Always a pleasure sitting down with you. I've been looking forward to it. Um, Mark, it's not been that long. So nice to see you again after what's been a week. (laughs) Well, it's been a while since I've had you on the channel. Uh, but yeah, we got to hang out uh, quite a bit last week, which was, uh, which was awesome. I always love hanging out with you. Um, so we were hanging out at Bitcoin 2022. Um, let's talk about that just for a minute. Uh, what did you think about, uh, the conference just, I guess, from a high level? Well, this year was definitely a lot bigger. That would be the first takeaway. Um, I think it was really well done. I like the layout inside the convention center. Um, it was a bit confusing, I think, at the beginning, just trying to get the, a lay of the land. Yeah. Once you knew where everything was, uh, it was a nice flow. Um, the experience for me was very similar to last year, actually. Like almost everywhere I went, I'm just getting mobbed with love. Yeah. You know, people are like, thank you for whatever the Sailor series or this thing you wrote or, you know, this interview of yours that I saw. Yeah. I was overwhelmed because I thought back at Bitcoin 2021, that was kind of an an anomaly year. You know, Bitcoin was way up, you know, the show was new. And that was my experience at Bitcoin 2021 is people just mobbing me with love. Yeah. 
like, well, surely Bitcoin, this one will be more calmed out, calmed down, chilled out because Bitcoin price isn't moving as much. I've been putting out a, a lot of work, but you just don't, like you and I have talked about this. You put out a lot of work sort of in isolation and you yeah. don't really see the, the impact on people's lives. Like you see it through social media a little bit, but to see it in person, yeah, it's a whole different ball game. Um, I think the vibe was tremendous. I mean, I'm, I'm more bullish on the Bitcoin community than ever. Yeah, people are just this this transformation that occurs personally, psychologically, financially. You know, it really seems to be like rippling through everyone and uh, hopefully changing lives for the better. So it was it was really nice to see that phenomenon up close and personal again. Yeah. I also think about, um, you know, when you're investing in venture and I know you had your fund you know, going for a while. So like, you know, when you're investing in venture, um, typically those are, you know, six, seven, 10 years before you see those types of deals come to fruition. And so like, how do you track that? And like you track the user growth and you can track uh, the development on the network. I think about those two metrics. And so if you look at the growth, the trajectory of the audience growth, right? So from 2019, like 1500 people, 2021 was, I don't know, 10,000 people and this year was like 30,000 people. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And we, were you at 19? Yeah. 2019? Yeah. In San Francisco. That was yeah. like, it was small. So yeah. 1500 people maybe. And then they, I guess 10 X it for 2021 or we well, know that's two years. So 10 X. 2020 was off because of the COVID. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I think it was 13 or 14,000 people last year. And then this year was what? 35,000. Yeah. Um, they've built a hell of a business, you know, it's kind of centered on that one giant event per year. And I really enjoyed it. I, I am sort of regretful. Like I missed the last day of the conference because I had the Peterson event that night. I started to lose my voice in the morning. So I was yeah. really worried about going to the conference and not being able to speak during the interview. Yep. I ended up skipping that last day and just resting my voice. And then the day after they had the Comedy, comedians and music festival, yep. which I actually wanted to attend, but um, you know we we're doing other events and all that that day. So there's just we we're, hang, we're, we're hanging out at Michael Peters. Or I'm sorry, we we're hanging out at Michael Saylor's house having a Saylor's barbecue. barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> so and that was a really good time. Uh, that was a highlight for me too, just to get together with you know so many people that we're we're close with and yeah. just have a, a little huddle. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, talking about, you know, Michael Saylor, just like the, uh, the high level of people that are at those events. So like, again, from 2019, it was pretty like hardcore Bitcoiners. Um, and this year we had billionaires, obviously Michael Saylor senators there, Cynthia Loomis. And then, I mean, Jordan Peterson, I mean, there's probably nobody bigger in the thought leader space today than that guy. Right. Yeah. I mean, I certainly think so. It's pretty, clear my, my perspective on Peterson. He's definitely the greatest impact on my thinking for a living person. You know, yeah. maybe Mises and some of these other guys are, are up there as well in terms of people that are past, but um, it was an honor, you know, it was an honor to put this event together. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, he, I appreciate his skepticism and his thoughtfulness, you know, yeah. he's not just, drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, he's really trying to look, come at it from multiple angles and, and take the argument or, you know, the Bitcoin thesis apart. And that's ultimately what makes it so valuable is it, yeah. what we're trying to do. Um, he's an extremely fast thinker, fast talker. You know, he's got a lot of intellectual horsepower. Yeah. Hard to keep up with even, but um, I thought his fireside chat with Tur was great. Yep. That was more 
I guess, a bit more surface level in terms of his thinking about macroeconomics and, and Bitcoin. And then that night, um, which was our first in-person, our first live event, first uh, interview I've done in front of a live studio audience, we had, I mean, you were there in the front row and we had 700 people there, I think. Wow. Was and it that we, many? Dang. Yeah. It was and packed. We went deep. You know, I tried to not, I tried to skip the surface level discussion and just go straight to the, the bottom of the rabbit hole. And, you know, he's so fascinating. He can talk about anything and can tie it back to really these different psychological dimensions and, you know, human development. We talked a lot about game theory and how humans sort of bootstrap morality through play and mm-hmm. the nature of voluntary versus involuntary games. And we're, we're tying all these things back to money and Bitcoin. And, yeah. you know, that's my litmus test for an interview is I just try to, I really I'm trying to learn. I call it learning out loud. So I want to have conversations that are interesting to me that are pushing my own understanding where I'm at the edge of my understanding and hopefully my guest is as well. And we're producing something novel and useful in that, in that dialogue. And I think we did it. You know, the feedback from the live event was, was wonderful. Um, We're working on releasing the video now in the next few days, we're just running it through the edit flow and making sure it's tight. And so we'll see what, what the world thinks. I thought it was amazing the amount of work that you did in advance to like really put the questions in order and build, you know, kind of from that, from that first principles level. So uh, highly anticipated for you to release that. I'll watch it again. Everybody else should as well. But um, so if we look at the Bitcoin, you know, like I said, if we look at the Bitcoin conference, the growth, the growth of the trajectory of the audience, the amount of people that have come there, like the mind share that's coming over to the space, it's like uh pretty amazing. It's definitely one metric that I'm looking at. One of the things that I saw at the conference was um, I worked at news desk. I know you worked it as well for a couple of days. I I was, I was working on industry day, which was the first day. And it was a lot of people from the industry and they're talking about, you know, we need regulations and we need clarity. And they kept saying, we need to push for mass adoption, push for mass adoption, push for mass adoption. And I thought uh, I was like, you know, my contrarian take is that we don't need to push for mass adoption. One, like Alex Fetsky says, the masses are always wrong. But I was just saying that uh, per 2018 Fed report, 40% of Americans don't even have $400 for an emergency. So I'm like, those people don't even need to worry about like Bitcoin or crypto. Um, What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I mean, I'm sort of... I guess I'm in alignment in a way that I, I've always thought of Bitcoin's adoption would progress according to the minority rule. And we, you know, I've written some about this. This is a concept I picked up from Taleb. But just this idea that the, the preferences of an obstinate minority typically can influence the preferences of the whole. So long right. as the whole doesn't, they're, they're sort of indifferent to what most people don't care. Like they want their money to just work, right? right. I want to swipe the card and put the thing in the account and know that it's there. Um, <clears throat> but if you develop this, and Svetsky, a lot of these guys refer to the remnant, right? The right. Uh, the focused, intelligent minority that's just stacking sats to all kingdom come. It almost, it, it almost starts to create this growth dynamic in Bitcoin where its rules get imposed on others. Like you have to, to protect yourself from inflation or to preserve wealth across time or, you know, any number of reasons, there's a million use cases for Bitcoin that you end up having to use this neutral settlement layer. And I, I mean, that's the path that I think it follows is that yeah. Bitcoin just continues to monetize. Um, there will always be the, the diehard stackers 
And when they're just taking new supply off the market, Bitcoin's just going to, you know, the sell pressure on Bitcoin is going to be diminished more and more along with this new issuance due to, the, due to the halving, which is going to drive price higher and higher and higher. And eventually that draws in the masses, right? The masses typically just chase the price. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm focused on that. I, I think in my educational efforts too, I, I, I call it, you know, raising an army of educators. And you, you had this brilliant quote one time, the setting brush fires in the minds of men, something yeah. like that that captures it as well. It's like, let's just give people the fundamental view on money, on property, on government, on the nature of our socioeconomic systems of human cooperation, and then let them decide. Right. Right. I'm not here to prescribe Bitcoin to anyone. I'm just trying to ask big questions and dig deep and hopefully find some some useful knowledge in the process. Yeah. But I think it will ultimately be that that small cadre of people that will really just by holding such a secure footprint on the network and not accepting any inferior savings technology, not bending to any regulation or any threat. Um, that's what's going to trigger this hyper Bitcoinization type event that we that we all look forward to. All right, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. I'm sitting down with Robert Breedlove from the What Is Money show right now. Don't go away. We have a lot more to go when we come back. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. 
Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm in the studio today joined by Robert Breedlove. He's host of the What Is Money podcast. You can find him on podcast or on YouTube. Uh, one of the greatest thinkers today. We're talking about his conversation with Jordan Peterson um, at the Bitcoin conference and What Is Money. Let's pick it back up here. Yeah, so your show, uh, What Is Money, the What Is Money show, WIM, has been basically trying to answer that, like, what is money? And um, yeah, the majority of people just have no idea what money is. And so then back to like needing to push for adoption, it's like most people don't even know they have a problem. Right. Um, I say uh, in marketing, we'd say it's much easier to sell food to someone who's starving than to convince them that they're starving first and then try to sell them food, right? Right. in uh, Venezuela, where the currency is blown up by 2,500%, you don't have to convince them that they should get out of that currency and into something else. Um, you know, Or in Canada, when they got kicked out of the banking system or their bank accounts are about to get seized, you don't have to convince them. Um, so a lot of it's just like bringing the attention to that. But you've focused on this, what is money? Um, and a lot of people just don't know that. I guess uh, if we dig into that, you, I know you've outlined a bunch, like the certain attributes of money. Um, tell, tell us what those are real quick. Yeah. So I think when you, there's so many answers to this question. I'm literally, I have an ongoing blog series right now of answers <laughs> to that question that both I've either discovered and reading, or I've maybe sort of put together through my own thinking, or I've just been given by guests. You know, a lot of guests come on the show and they have some unique answer to it. Um, but it's really interesting, you know, and a lot of people, it's, it seems like it's resonated with the audience too, because a lot of people didn't notice that it was such a fundamental question, but like now that you've asked it, I've heard all these different answers. I'm like, it's mm-hmm. one of those really deep questions. Like what is truth or what is value? You know, it's something, um, it's just a rabbit hole, I guess, in a nutshell. Yeah. But for me, my original, the original drum I was beating a lot was, okay, you want to understand Bitcoin. Bitcoin's a novel innovation. It's new. It's very complicated you could lead with the technical explanation of Bitcoin, you know, like cryptography and distributed computing networks and game theory and all of this. But I think that for most people, they just kind of have that glazed overlook when you take that approach. So my realization was, as you said, if you don't know what the problem is, then you can't really put Bitcoin in the proper context. So I said, I try to dispense with this technical explanation of Bitcoin as a modern technology and really take the opposite tact entirely. Like, let's forget all that and just go to the very beginning, the first principles or whatever of human history and say, right. 
what is money? How did we get money? Um, we all know that gold became money historically. And I put people like Ray Dalio in this group. Like he gets money very deeply relative to most people. But when he looks at gold, his explanation for why gold became money is it has intrinsic value. Right. And that's a failing, in my opinion. I, there, there are specific properties that human beings demand in money. And I think that for me is the bottom of that question. It's like just explaining the properties people want in a money. Um, and I've, I've put it like this before that we often talk about goods and services, you know, distinguishing, say, the physical good, a, a shovel, for instance, versus the service, which is digging holes. Right. But it's ultimately what well, we're all ultimately looking for are services. Even the good itself, we only demand that good because the services it renders to us or the, the, it can accelerate us towards the achievement of our aim, right? I can dig holes faster with a shovel than with my bare hands. So if you start to think of it in those terms, then it's all about services, even money. So it's like, what services do people demand from money? Another way of saying that is what properties do people demand from money? Right. And again, this is a question if you ask guys like uh, Edstrom, right? He wrote a book on this with 14 properties of money. Right. You know, read the Austrians, they have seven, they have 10. It just depends what you read. I try to narrow it down as much as possible. And I got it down to five. And this was influenced uh, by an excellent book, actually, that's available free online, titled Honest Money by Gary North. Gary North just passed away. He's like a Christian libertarian philosopher. It's a free PDF on Mises.org. Uh, you could also buy it on Amazon, but he narrowed it down to um, divisibility, durability, recognizability, portability, scarcity. Mm -hmm. And when I first got into this Bitcoin media explanation of like, you know, talking about what is money and explaining, explaining the money in a historical context that was adequate to put Bitcoin in and have Bitcoin be understood. And I think that chain, that, that explanatory chain was really successful, actually, because then you're like, oh, I get it. Gold was the most divisible, durable, recognizable, portable, scarce thing we had. That's why we demanded it as money. That's why it became money. You also understand what gold lacked, right, which was portability. Mm -hmm. Very hard to move gold across space, even though it holds value well across time, which explains why we abstracted gold into a paper currency. Right, we're in, we're augmenting its transactability across space, increasing its portability, but that introduced the problem. Right, we now need yeah. to trust the guy that's warehousing the gold not to overissue the paper claims on gold. That was the ultimate honeypot for governments and central banks historically. It's become the most corrupt institution in the world, as we've talked about yeah. ad nauseum, and so it explains all that. Just looking at the properties of money, and then finally, if you evaluate Bitcoin through that lens of the properties of money, you see that it's the most perfect money we've ever had. All right, I just want to let you know real quick, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show, and I'm in the studio with Robert Breedlove. He's the host of the What Is Money Show and podcast. Um, we have a lot more to discuss. I have a whole list of questions you do not want to miss, so don't go away. We'll be right back. It's that time of year again. 
The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm in the studio today joined by Robert Breedlove. He's host of the What Is Money podcast. You can find him on podcasts or on YouTube. Uh, One of the greatest thinkers today. We're talking about his conversation with Jordan Peterson um, at the Bitcoin conference and What Is Money. Let's pick it back up here. So if if we trust the money with the best reputation, 
Okay. That's one thing, which I guess has been the dollar. I mean, it was gold obviously, and then it's the dollar, but then think about this. So then um, what is the dollar, right? The dollar is really, this is something I've been thinking about quite a bit. The dollar really is a payment network is what it is, right? Uh, It's the way, it's the easiest way, the best way, the best reputation to move money around the world. And so, of course, Russia didn't just get their dollars seized. They didn't even have that many dollars. They got their FX accounts because they had a bunch of different currencies. They got their FX reserve seized and they got kicked out of the SWIFT system, the payment network. And so not only did they kill the dollar, which, you know, had the best reputation, but also the payment network, which is actually a pretty big deal when you think about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I would say first and foremost, the dollar is a derivative of gold. That's the only reason we ever had a paper currency anywhere ever was to facilitate the portability of precious metals, whether gold, Mm -hmm. silver, whatever it was. Obviously, due to technological realities and or people's ignorance of the financial system and money, we got to 1971, right? Where we broke that peg permanently. We've never looked back. Um, and shortly after that, right? Because, you know, to use a sailor aphorism, money is energy, right? It's economic energy. Right. So the dollar was pegged to the energy expenditure necessary to produce gold. That's what secured its supply. When we break that peg, you can't leave the dollar unpegged. So very quickly, it was repegged to black gold. Right. The petrodollar. Well, so yeah. that's now what, United States, it's the, it's the point of leverage the United States uses to impose this, uh, I think as Gladstein typically calls it, the global dollar hegemony. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, we forcibly denominate oil contracts in, in oil or in dollars rather, et cetera, et cetera. That's also changing now, like as a result of the Russia thing, I think they're selling oil and rupees and other currencies. So that whole, the unipolar world we had around the dollar, it's being ripped apart in real time. Right. Um, and it's hard to say where that goes, but, you know, you, you bring up SWIFT too, Russia getting kicked off that. Ultimately, it's just a messaging system, right? You're just messaging amounts of money across this network. There's not any final settlement occurring in terms of like gold being transmitted. Right. Um, and so, all, again, all these things, like it's just another big billboard for Bitcoin. It's like, oh, yeah. well, you're going to kick us off the global trade network effectively by kicking us off the SWIFT system. Is there an alternative messaging system we could use to, mm. to conduct this international yeah. trade? Well, it turns out there is. Yeah. There's and that's where I'm going to turn off. That's where I'm going. I'm trying to use your technique to build this uh, conversation. <laughs> uh, so if, uh, if the dollar was the money with the best reputation, but really it's the payment network to your point, it's like a messaging network with the best reputation. But now we found out that, well, that you can only use the network if we say you can use the network uh, because it wasn't just dollars to my point about Russia. It was the network they got kicked off of. Now you mentioned uh, Ray Dalio um, and his research is amazing. He's, he's forgotten more than I'll ever know. I mean, his research is unbelievable. I just finished his book um, and I've done some videos on it. The, the, Changing World Order. I forget the title. Um, I just finished it. And it's an amazing book. Everyone should read it. And then you mentioned uh, the word multipolar. I don't know if you've been reading some of the work of Zoltan Pozar that he's been putting out recently. He's been talking about this Bretton Woods 3 um, and talking about how, uh, I don't know, have you heard about that, Zoltan Pozar and the Bretton I've Woods heard, 3? Yeah, it was recommended to me. I haven't read it yet. Uh, I mean, the, the the big level is that Bretton Woods won 1944, obviously went to a gold standard that was still commodity money, right? So the world had been on commodity money. 1971 broke the gold standard and we went to what he calls inside money. So basically bank treasuries, 
So right. no more commodity money. Now it's fiat money. And that we've been in that since 1971. So he calls that Bretton Woods too. And now that agreement was broken. The payment network was shut down, uh, what, February 26, 2022. And now we're going back to Bretton Woods 3, which is a commodity money again. So now everybody's hoarding natural resources, natural gas, oil, et cetera. Um, but one thing that um, Dalio and Pozar both seem to miss, and of course, you know, I've been talking about these three revolutionary cycles. So we have to look at this like political revolution cycle, which Dalio nails. I mean, his research is amazing and shows how we have the U.S. is a declining superpower and China is a rising superpower. And he nails this down from like a political standpoint. And even uh, he talks about these 80 year financial revolutions, these long-term credit cycles, but what he misses and what Pozar misses is the technology revolution piece. Mm-hmm. And so on about a 50 year time frame, we have a technological revolution, not a technology, but a revolution that changes the course of humanity. And, and they didn't bring that in. And so we have this technology and to your, to the point, if the payment network is broken, we have a new payment network. And here's something I've been thinking about. So um, in the United States, we had the telephone and all throughout the US, we have telephone poles and telephone wires running everywhere, right? And that was put up about a hundred years ago. And the internet um, scaled pretty quickly. The adoption scaled pretty quickly because we had telephone lines. Mm-hmm. Um, in the old days, you had someone at the switchboard and they would route that call, right? And then uh, we scaled pretty quickly because we had the telephone lines and it ran over that. Um, but today we have wireless phones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't really, the internet scaled pretty quickly. Then eventually they put fiber optics in the, in the ground. They skipped the telephone lines and now we just use wireless altogether. Um, but then we saw nations like Africa leapfrog. They never had wired telephones. They just went straight to wireless. Yeah. And so what is the telephone network? Well, it's an information network, right? right? Through wires. And so if you think about the month, the dollar being a payment network, that's the, to the point had the best reputation, it's now killed. Um, could we see other nations just leapfrog right past that payment network and just use a different payment network? Absolutely. I think it's a, a brilliant way to break it down. Um, and, you know, to your point with Africa, it's like they had no technical debt or infrastructure debt in that leapfrog. So it's a huge boon for them to skip this, this wave of fixed capital deployment. Because if you deploy a bunch of whatever telephone poles, telephone wires, and then 10 years later, you don't need them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a huge outlay that was, is no longer benefiting you effectively. Yeah. And so if you're a smaller up-and-coming developing nation, you can observe these technological trends playing out in the developed world and you know, cherry-pick what's best. You can skip the telephone poles and go straight to wireless. And typically, those advancements, almost by definition, are orders of magnitude more efficient. So right. that nation then becomes more competitive uh, relative to the, the developed nation with, with the infrastructure or technical debt. And you know, I, I think that is, a again, great way to look at it. The other thing I would add there is this idea of dollar derivatives now being built on the Bitcoin blockchain, um, typically with a lot more yield, right? You can hold whatever USDC, there's a million stable coins out there that offer some yield that you cannot get in the traditional banking system. So that's an added inducement for people to migrate from legacy banking infrastructure into something Bitcoin or even crypto related. Um, that's something to watch for. Uh, and this, idea of neutral settlement network, neutral settlement layer, you know, what Bitcoiners often call Bitcoin money for enemies. Mm -hmm. That's 
very valuable, right? You want to be able to trade with everyone, but you want to be able to do it in a way that you don't have to trust anyone. Right. And that's what Bitcoin ultimately is. Like you get to trust the math, the self-interest of market participants um, and thermodynamics effectively through its, its supply secured through energy expenditure. And that gives it a very potent reputation as money, right? It's like mm -hmm. something no one can control, no political attack vector or organization can change the rules. That's a very big deal. This is effectively what was Russia doing. They were playing in a certain financial network. Right. And then the rules were changed on them. Like, oh, yeah. you're now ejected from the game or you've lost your points or whatever analogy you want to use here. Everyone has this demand to play the game with fixed rules. So Bitcoin, it's such a brilliant innovation. It's almost established a reputation so free of counterparty risk <laughs> that it's more like the sun coming up, right? You don't, you know, there's going to be a block average of every 10 minutes. That's all yeah. it does. And that that's literally the only thing it does and holds a supply cap of 21 million and no one can change it. Like that's the whole value prop. So I think the more conflict and tension we have individually, geopolitically, at whatever layer, the more demand you're creating for that neutral settlement territory. And ultimately, you know, as you're pointing out, you know, Dalio is brilliant. These guys have thought about it a lot, but they missed the technological piece, I guess. That Yeah. And this is not on them. This is a human thing. We, we are really bad at prognosticating the future. Right. You look at, go back into the 50s or the 70s and look at, you know, sci-fi future films. We're blasting around rockets all over the universe yeah. and across <laughs> space. Like, but no one had the handheld supercomputer. Right. You know, no, we didn't know social media. There's predictions that have been closer. Like I talk about the sovereign individual a lot. They predicted some of these things in like 97. So say a couple of decades before they transpired. But looking into the deep future, I think it's much harder to tell where we're going. Yeah. Um, but looking, and so that should give us all some pause and humility as looking as guys that look into the future. But the, yeah, but the, norm, the norm I would say here that <clears throat> seems to be I don't want to say irrefutable, but very common is that societies tend to have hard money, right? Hard money is the norm of human history. We've been using gold for 5,000 years. We've had this fiat anomaly for just a few hundred. So it would seem to me like when trust is being lost, we're going to revert back to the mean of hard money. Mm -hmm. The difference in a, a guy like Dalio and my own thinking is I just think Bitcoin is disruptive to gold. I don't think, I think gold has failed basically. Mm -hmm. And so we need something new. And I can't see what that would be other than Bitcoin. I have a lot more to go over with Robert Breedlove here. So make sure you stick around as we dig more into this. I'll be right back. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in 
precious metals, and both experts agree that gold could hit 2500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. I am joined in the studio with one of my buddies, uh, Robert Breedlove, one of the best thinkers in the Bitcoin space. One more uh, topic to t- discuss that's a little bit different but maybe somewhat related is um, Elon Musk and Twitter. Mm. And um, the one thing that I see, well, there's a lot of things that I see there, a lot of, a lot of angles that we could take with that. Um, but specifically the angle that I'm thinking about is, so if, um, if money is communication, Bic- the Bitcoin network is a better network that communicates money or information better. Um, the Elon Musk takeover of Twitter has had a lot of pushback. Uh, people who work in Twitter say they're going to quit, uh, you know, things like that. And one thing that's been kind of I've been thinking about is like, man, he said that he wants to take it over to help have more free speech. He doesn't like the censorship. That seems to be his big gripe. 
uh, there's too much censorship. I want to have more free speech. And so it seems like all these people that are pushing back on that are saying, we don't want free speech. Right. And if money is speech, right, or communication, and is this just a small little microcosm that's uh, an anomaly that shouldn't be looked at or, or we should care about? Or do you think there's something bigger where maybe people don't want freedom of speech and we don't need this freedom of communication, even in money? I mean, people are opposed to Canadians or, or Russia getting out of sanctions, which is kind of the same thing almost. Yeah, it's honestly scary because I would argue that well, was, someone tweeted this, whether Elon successfully takes over Twitter or not, he sort of forced all of the people that believe in censorship or are anti-free speech to show their cards. Because right. if you're against his private takeover of a business at a premium to all the shareholders, I mean, you don't get it, right? That's anti-capitalism, anti-competition, anti-civilization even, mm-hmm. right? That's fa- it's fascism. Ultimately, because now who is it? Vanguard steps in and bought a stake to basically yeah. defend against the bed. And, and the reason they don't want it is because he's offering to have freedom of speech. Exactly. Exactly. They want to keep their hands on the censorship levers. Right. And Twitter is the biggest media platform in the world. Um, Jeff or- Bezos bought Washington Post and nobody cared about that. Right. Because he didn't right. want freedom of speech. So that's that, I guess that's the attack, right? The freedom of speech. Yeah. Yeah. And Twitter, in my opinion, is is the most important media outlet in the world. I mean, there's things with bigger user bases and bigger revenue, but um, in terms of ideas being exchanged, I think Twitter has the most density for that. Um, and the censorship has been rampant, frankly. So yeah. I, it's very encouraging in a way that a guy like Elon is standing up for the freedom of speech and really putting his money where his mouth is. Elon does not fuck around, which I appreciate. <laughs> you know, he's someone else tweeted this. Elon was the first guy that got rich and actually did cool shit with his money. Yeah. I think yeah. that's pretty well said, but ultimately this all grounds out in Bitcoin again, though, because even if Elon takes over successfully and tries to reincorporate the principles of free speech, he's still going to have pressure from the state, you know, the state broadly, you know, multiple states that, that Twitter's operating within to censor certain people about certain things. And right. so then he'll become the arbiter of truth, he or his, his management team. And Bitcoin just, again, obviates the need for all this. It's like, if we can build communication uh, platforms, media platforms on top of Bitcoin that are transmitting micropayments of sats with each, each message, you can basically make messaging unstoppable as unstoppable mm-hmm. as, as the money itself. And in doing so you can implement actual free speech in the digital domain. So we don't even have to have the conversation of censorship anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just like you yeah. can speak as freely in real life as you can in on, on Twitter or the Bitcoin equivalent. If Bitcoin would be like digital cash, so it's peer to peer. So it's almost like cash, but digitally where I could give it to you and there's nobody in between to stop it, block it, prevent it. Um, it could also move um, conversation almost as I'm talking to you peer to peer with nobody in between that could stop it, block it, or prevent it. That's right. And it changes the game for a lot of things. It changes the game for podcasting. You know, you like stream sats to listen to podcasts. Yeah. Um, Peterson and I talked about this in our interview. He thinks that all the social media bullying has to do with the fact that there's zero cost of messaging, right? Sure. There's no cost to being a schmuck on Twitter. 
but you would never say those same, those never. schmucks that you see on Twitter <laughs> would never say the same thing in real life because they'd get punched in the face. Especially not to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Sailor went deep on this in our series together where he talks about Twitter implementing Bitcoin to have like the orange check or the blue check. Yeah. And basically a skin in the game reputation system that would cleanse the quality of discourse online. And I think it's brilliant. And yeah. also... I think it's almost as as inevitable as Bitcoin because again, people want that. People want a place that you can just speak freely and interact without the threat of censorship um, or any top down control. Like that's that's a universal that's in universal demand. Let's say even the people that want to censor others, like they don't, they themselves do not want to be censored. Right. So when that domain opens that can censor no one, everyone's going to migrate there. It's the same yeah. dynamic, same reasons people are adopting Bitcoin. People adopt Bitcoin-based media. Yeah. And I know we're both friends with Justin uh, over at Zion and both yeah. involved in that. So shout out to Zion because they're hoping to bring that, helping to bring that. And so um, we're, we're going to see more and more of that. Yeah. Uh, well, I think with that, we'll go ahead and sign it off. We've uh, covered a lot of ground. Always a pleasure um, talking to you. Uh, we referenced, uh, obviously, your show, What is Money, and uh, the upcoming, uh, well, the release, I should say, of your interview with, with uh, Jordan Peterson. So definitely check that out. Anything else you want to bring attention to? No, man. It's been great talking to you. Um, you know, the sub stack is the Freedom Analects. That's linked on my Twitter profile. So if you want to follow the reading uh, more than the talking, that's another option. And uh, no, we're going to be releasing. I did five in-person interviews in Miami. So we're going to be releasing those over the next few weeks. Um, I hope, hope everyone likes them. Feel free to engage. Let me know. Hi, Robert. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mark. All right. You've been listening to the Mark Moss show. I've been joined in the studio with Robert Breedlove, the host of the what is money show and podcast. Make sure to check Robert out and uh, shoot us a message on Twitter. Tell us you heard us on the Mark Moss show. That's what we got for you today. I appreciate you listening till next time. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 